go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 701. Why I listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we did uh, we celebrated our 700th podcast by going over like some foundational stuff for Zen Parenting Radio, specifically our vision, our mission statement, our grounding forces, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. It was kind of like, for somebody who's never heard us before, it might be a good podcast to listen to. For somebody who's been with us a long time, I still think it would probably be helpful. Yeah. I kind of thought we, my intention was to make something that other people could share because people are like, well, I want to share your podcast with people, but I can't explain what it's about. And I get that. So we made yeah. a... So just remember 700, 700 and then go to our 700th and share that. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of part two of that because there's a bunch of stuff that I didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just going to riff because that's pretty much all we do on this podcast is riff. What's the definition of riff? I don't know. I, I always think about a riff being make like st- a mu- Make stuff thing. up on the fly. That's I just came up with that definition. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Mm-hmm. What does off the cuff mean? I don't know. My daughter now, you know, we learn the language of teenagers because we have three teenagers. Speak for yourself. I'm still lost. And I like when she's like, that's so out of pocket. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. But I do, but it's like, I don't know where that, that comes from. And out of pocket is kind of like off the cuff. It's like clothing related. <laughs> You know? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I should I should look up what it all means. I know. Is that an old person thing to do? To like go to the Urban Dictionary and be like, what does this mean? Well, I think it's better than staying ignorant, which I am, and I will choose to stay ignorant on many things. Oh, I found it. Out of pocket. If you are out of pocket, you have less money than you should. I don't think that's how she's using it. What is out of pocket slang? Oh, I got it. If something or someone is out of pocket or or it means they are wild, ridiculous, and extreme. Hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm next time she says it, I'm, I'm going to say, are you saying I'm wild and ridiculous? She doesn't say I'm out of pocket. She's talking about other people. The reason she doesn't say you're out of pocket, sweetie, is because you're not out of pocket. I'm in the pocket. <laughs> you're very much in the pocket. Um, <laughs> and so am I for that matter. Although Friday night, we were out of pocket. We were so out of pocket. We saw um, a band called Greta Van Fleet had some drinks, enjoyed each other's company, had great cheese fries to cap the night off, <laughs> which I won't stop talking when about. When I think rock and roll bands, I think cheese fries afterwards. At the end of the night. No, we had really good seats. Um, relatively speaking, you gotta. we're going to talk about this a little bit on the show, but really good seats when I'm going somewhere with Todd. It, like For some people, that would mean like floor or like front row. With Todd, it means good enough, but still a deal. So he doesn't feel like... You know, thrifty makes saves a lot much. is an important component to all this. So, and for me, it's space because I like to dance and move when I'm listening to music. So, we were like in the second level, all the way to the back, and we were like off the stairs. So we had more room. So we were like one and two, and then we had all this space to the side where the stairs were, so I could stand on the stairs. And that, to me, are ideal seats. And it's also second level, which we kind of decided is old people level. It's club level. Mm-hmm. So you have bathrooms. You have easy access to a beer. Well, and when, you were, when we were standing up, we weren't in anybody's way Exactly. Either. And yeah. we were the back row, right? Yeah. So we're not standing in front of anybody. You can kind of stand. It's like perfect for us because I think it meets all of our needs. But anyway, we saw Greta Van Fleet, and they're, they're wonderful. And, and um, we were out of pocket. We were... And then Saturday, we were in the pocket <laughs> because I fell asleep at like 7 o'clock, and then I woke up at like 8, and then by then you were falling asleep. I know. We, we kind of were like, if you want to do something, I'll do something. And if you want to do something, I'll do something. And we both just decided And then we both woke sleep. up at 9. <laughs> we're both up at 9. We're like, well, it's too late now to do anything. <laughs> I'm like, weren't we supposed to have dinner? And we decided to have Oreos instead. Because that's dinner. we watch a documentary um, called I Killed My Father on I, Netflix. No, you're giving the formal. Ver- it was called I Just Killed My Dad. Oh, I Just Killed My Dad. Was <laughs> and, which it is just? awful. I, I, I don't be, know if I he said just. Dad. So anyways, it was a three-part. We didn't hit, read Netflix. anything about it. No. It's on Netflix. And it was pretty good. It was, you know, it's true crime, and I watch all of those Netflix documentaries, and um, I had never heard of this one, but we were like, well, it, what Todd said is, let's do 10 minutes, and then if it's, like, really bad, because some of them are bad. Awful. But um, it, let's watch it, and it had a, this is going to sound very weird, but, like, there was an underlying story of warmth that we could tell. We're like, something something here is not what it seems. Yeah. 
So and we so recommend the, it. The title is a little, it, it can put you off. Yeah. It's, it's better than you think. Um, okay. So I just want to preview before we talk about other things. So these are the things we didn't get to last week okay. that I wanted to get to. And they're kind of like, how do I encapsulate like my best experiences as a dad that I try to um, integrate, um, put into practice and your best experiences as a dad. Explain to me what you mean by that. Your what you offer as a father. You mean these are the ways that I try to be with my kids. Okay, so these are your these are your skills or your gifts or the things you try and practice. Yes, okay. exactly. So the first one, and it's, I kind of say it two same thing two different ways. Okay, and most of this comes from you, sweetie. Let's be honest. Okay, discussion, not discipline. Sure. Said another way, conversations not created consequences. Yes. Okay. That's the first one. My, I came up with this one, but it came as a result of whatever. We're our second year podcasting. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, what it's all about parenting, this whole parenting thing is to keep them safe and get the heck out of their way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number so th- each of these necessitates like hour long conversations. Right. And we're not going to get to okay. all that. Um, this is what we just came up with a few weeks ago. Okay. And it's more of like a judgment of ourselves and parenting in general. Sometimes we cop out instead of lean into discomfort. Oh, for sure. Into discomfort. I was actually just sending a, I got a, a, a question from someone on Team Zen and it's, it's, a, it's a personal question from them, so I'm not going to dive into it, but the, I'll give you the general. It's about discussing something with a child that is uncomfortable because it's about sex and sexuality and all these things and, and the parent is very afraid and is very concerned and has all these beliefs about it and all these fears. And I'm like, this is not a subject you want to tiptoe around Mm -hmm. because the more you fear these things, the the less likely you're going to be able to discuss it in a productive way. And I'm not saying to everybody, so stop being afraid. I'm saying work on that. Start doing some reading, listen to some podcasts, question what you were taught about sex and sexuality. You know, look at your history, look at your, if you were raised with religion, did that somehow impact or do you have certain values in the home? And you, you want to, when we're talking about difficult topics like this, it is our responsibility to to kind of um, go into ourselves and be like, where did this come from? What, do I really believe this? Do I think this is true? And if I did believe it, is it helpful today? Does it make any sense? And that's our work as parents. So sometimes we look at our kids and we're like, oh my gosh, and they don't understand anything about their sex or sexuality or they're so misinformed. And I'm like, well, have you been supporting them through this? Like... They need information about difficult topics like sex and drinking and drugs just as much as they need information about reading and math and, you know, the arts. Like our kids don't know how to do this. And we get so angry at them for making poor choices. And I'm like, but this is when they need guidance. When they make a poor choice is when we can step in and say, listen, let's talk about this. And ideally... You know, for those of you who have been listening to this show for 12 years, you started these conversations really early. So you're not coming in with a, all of a sudden you're now 15 and I'm going to talk to you about sex. And if you're late and you haven't done it, there's still time. Always. I mean, you can talk, you can talk to your 18 year old if you've never you talked to them. You just got to do it a little bit differently. Because yes. if you've laid this foundation for a decade, then it's you easier. can jump in a little bit easier, yeah. but you can always get in there. You just have to do it a little bit differently. Just... I think my the bottom line is just notice how your fear can get in the way. What if, what if, what if? And a lot of that fear is based on untruths, mm-hmm. your childhood, and the things that maybe happened to you or didn't happen to you or the things you told were told that will, would happen. And that's not, you know, you're not present in mm-hmm. this time period of like, what's your kid going through and can you talk, can you first take responsibility for finding a new way to look at these things and and then it's a practice because you're not going to do it perfectly. It's just about, you know, if we are if we are fearful of sex or alcohol or drugs and we are terrified, then what we are offering our kids is terror. Mm-hmm. We're not offering them information or education. We're offering them this sense of terror. Yeah. And you know, we have to help them cope with things a little better than that. Um, so progressing through my list, sure, which we may or may not get all the way through. And if there's one on here that you're like, I wish Todd and Kathy would talk a little bit more about that, then just tell us. Just because us, we have the Ask Us Anything page. Which I'm going to talk about in a okay. second. Um, this is my next one. We've got it all backwards. Okay. Tell um, me more. And when I say we, I mean 
us parents in general, obviously there's exceptions, blah, blah, blah. But um, the three components to parenting, at least in this framework that I've kind of created, is what do you say to your kids? Uh-huh. What energy are you bringing to your kids? Mm-hmm. So like the invisible energetic. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, role modeling. Mm-hmm. And I think of it as a 60, 30, 10 percentage. And what most parents talk about is what do I say to my kids? What do I say to my kids when they're on screen? How do I engage with my kids when they're want to talk about sex? And what do I say? Mm-hmm. And it has, so I think most people spend most of their time thinking about what are the words that need to come out of my mouth to experience, to be in connection with my kids. The middle one is what energy am I bringing to it? And, um, and that is like self-awareness. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the last is role modeling. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, we have it backwards. It has very little to do with what we say to our kids. It has everything to do with how we model it. Mm-hmm. Much more impactful than anything we ever say to our kids. And then the second most important, which is the 30% thing. So 60% is role modeling. Modeling 30% is from what energy am I coming at this from? Mm-hmm. And the last is what do we say to our kids? Yeah. I see you smiling. I was smiling because you, it, just the way that you were explaining it. I like it in math terms. <laughs> you know, and you like said it the the other way. It, right. You got it. I got the it. message got across. Okay. I agree. So, you know, our kids don't listen or our kids don't listen. Our kids don't learn by listening to what we say. They learn by watching how we oh, live. Dumb. I've, you know, written about that for however long. Um they we can say all we want. We can come up with great scripts and we can like, you know, have this great paragraph written and um and you know, just say it perfectly, but it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Those are just words. What our children really need the way that they learn is by watching how we deal with the world and also how we fail and then how we get back up. So yep. it's not about, so you better not mess up. Actually, messing up is actually essential because mm-hmm. they need to know they can and they need to know that there's a way through it. So I agree with you, Todd. The next one is levity and or humor. Yes. Something that we put into place often. The next one is... Wait, can I say something about the sure, humor thing? You know, some people have said to me that that doesn't always work for them. Either it's not their personality or they feel like then their kids... Um, think that things aren't important or whatever. What what I mean by this is like, I kind of feel like the humor and levity is connected to the last one that you said, Mm -hmm. the role modeling. That you have to be able to have humor about yourself. Mm -hmm. Sure. You are not like, you, you have to be able to demonstrate to them that when they see you doing things or, you know, like... You have to be able to have some self-awareness you're about... In, you're in the pocketness, sweetie. Yes, and, like own it, man. Yeah, right. And so it's not about making fun of your children or it's not about pointing the finger at them and having humor about them. Mm-hmm. It's about having some humor about yourself. And your willingness to laugh at yourself because our kids like light up when they... Um, you know, Cameron was really good at this when we were younger is like impersonating us. Oh, yeah. She used to impersonate us all the time. In a really funny way. And we thought it was funny. Now, I know that there's times when it's not in good taste. Um, But if you have the ability... But when? Not with our kids. Oh, okay. I was going to say... Just in general. Like if a a teenager is like just ripping on his dad, that's not what we're talking about. It isn't. But that would be interesting. Right. Because why is that happening? Right. That's a whole different... Right. Okay. ...conversation. Uh, The next one is EQ trumps IQ. Yeah. I agree with that. And then don't forget about BQ. Body. Body intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last two, or maybe it's two or three, what do we want for our kids? Like, I feel like that's the starting point. Mm -hmm. And when we've asked this to parents, most of the time they say, I want my kids to be happy and I want them to be successful. And we can talk all about that. Okay. And I have a whole bunch of quotes that I'm probably not going to get to. Okay. So where do you want to start? Where I want to start quickly is we have two big things going on with Team Zen. Okay. The first one is ask us anything. Is that what we're calling it? Ask us anything. Ask us anything. So it's in the link to the, it's in the show notes. There's a link. You can record it um, on your microphone, on your computer, your phone, or you can just type it out. And we got our first question last week, and we're going to answer all these questions on the last Friday of every month. So if there's like, wow, I don't, I wonder what Todd and Kathy would say about this situation, this is your opportunity. And it's going to be open to all. You don't have to be a Team Zen member yep. to listen to that podcast. And uh, you can also find it at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. It's mm-hmm. on our resource page or just go to zenparentingradio.com and you'll, you know, you can click around and find it. But um, I, what I like about that is then we kind of, you know, kind of like on a show like this where Todd's throwing out a bunch of things and people who would like to 
us to go further into something that they're interested in. This gives you a chance to ask for that. And then also people like to correct us. Sure. Correct away. <laughs> I get people be like, you said that word wrong, or you meant this, or you meant that. And you know what? You're a hundred percent right. Like when you speak and write for a living, there are things you say wrong and write wrong. Like I, I just, I'm, I know everybody knows that, but because you're in your head. So you think what you're looking at or what you're saying is exactly what you mean to. And then you know, Todd knows this, there's podcasts I listen to and I start yelling out loud, not at ours, but at other people because they're saying things wrong or they're like, they're not right about their information. Especially if it's pop culture, you get especially Ugh, I get frustrated. frustrated. On the Rewatchables, they always talk about how this person's got an Academy Award. And I'm like, no, they don't. Like they, they have wrong information about certain people. Yeah. Speaking of, that was last night, the Academy Awards. Todd doesn't want to talk about that right now. No, because we already had too much stuff to put into this podcast. But I really enjoyed it, FYI. Yeah, and you uh, you got 19 out of 23. Yes, I got 19 out of 23. Which is probably one of your records. Yes. I, I mean, we, I don't, have, we haven't tracked it on a historical basis. I think I got 16. I think I lost by three. And then Skyler got 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. So, sweetie, nice job on the big win last night. Thank you. Just let the record show that I won the SAG Awards. You won the SAG Awards, yeah. and and I learned a lot from the SAG Awards. And apparently I didn't learn as much because as you did. Ju- I'm just going to say this one thing. All the award shows up to the SAG Awards, there had been certain front runners, like Austin Butler had won, and um, uh, Kate Blanchett had won. And so they were getting all these Critics' Choice Awards, and that usually leads in. But when the SAG Awards come out, major- the, everybody who's in the SAG is also, a lot of them are in the Academy. It tends to be very similar, just FYI for people who do this next year. It's it's not always the same. There's surprises, but SAG and Academy. So I learned a lot. So anyway, it was a great award show. That's all. Um, and then you're also doing a virtual class called Understanding Our Daughters. Yes, much on, needed class. It's on April 5th. And <laughs> um, it is just for Team Zen members. So if you want to participate in that, uh, you have to join Team Zen. Well, here's the way we look at it. Like Todd and I, I was. It's a class, and it's it's 90 minutes, and it's basically a reaction to all these articles that are coming out about how our girls are dealing with more anxiety than ever, how teenage girls are sadder than ever, how they're just so overwhelmed. And, and you know, I'm talking to a lot of parents about this right now, and I'm like, let's just do a class and talk about these things. Um, my daughter, JC, who's 19, is going to join me. She's going to talk about, you know, her experiences, her perspective. Um, and I think we just need to have an understanding of where teenage girls are right now. Not to be afraid. This is kind of like what we were talking about with sexuality and everything. This is not to become afraid. Todd and I are never trying to scare you. We're trying to empower you with if you, the more information you have, the, everything will be easier. You know, it doesn't mean it's all going to go perfectly. It'll just be, it'll be easier. You'll have, you'll be more confident and competent in what you're doing. So the way I looked at this is, you know, we were going to charge for this class and it's like, why not just have it be Team Zen people? And then if somebody wants to take the class, join Team Zen for a month. It's 25 bucks. And then if you want to be done, be done. But I think you'll come in and be like, ooh, there's a lot here. Speaking of Team Zen, I just want to say thanks to a few of our newest Team Zen members, Gina and Don from Charlotte, North Carolina, Jennifer from Sitka, Alaska. Nice. Janine from Orland Park, Illinois. Erin from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I think she's a reoccurring. Yeah, she joined, stopped for a, a little bit, and she just rejoined. See, that's what people do. And then Jamie from Johnson City, Tennessee. Um, and I think I said hello to all the other newest members. So so join Team Zen. Take this Understanding Our Daughters class, which is in um, April. See what you think about Team Zen and the class, and then decide what you want to do. Maybe done after that. Who knows? So this is where I want to start. Okay. I want to start with the last one I mentioned. Okay. What do we want for our kids? Okay. And most of the time people say, I want them to be successful or I want them to be happy. Okay. I'm going to give you my two cents, sweetie, and then I want you to respond. Okay. We need to define what success is. I think the typical definition of success is married, job, security, uh, safety. Um, um, I would take it further back. Go back to high school. What do people think success okay, is? Very good. Uh, good grades. Mm-hmm. Um, really good at their how their their extracurricular of choice. Mm-hmm. Like if they're if they're on the basketball team, they got to be on the starting basketball right. team. Yeah, um, or travel. They need to have uh, a bu- they need to be in the popular crowd so they have a bunch of good friends. Okay. So I'm kind of tearing apart the the typical definition of 
success. And but I'm glad you brought up high school because that's easier. Yeah. So because we th- why I want to make yeah. that connection is we think all those things that Todd just said connect to the other things Todd said. Right. That's the starting point yeah. is grade school. You know, it starts yeah. with freaking preschool. There's right. parents right. out Getting there in the right preschool. trying to get their mm-hmm. kids in the right preschool. Right. Yikes. And just for the record, we did a play-based preschool. So they didn't do letters, they didn't do words, they didn't start reading. They did, but not that was not the it was focus. it was not emphasized. No, it was not emphasized. And you know, wouldn't you know it? Our kids were slow readers when they started. Great In kindergarten. Yeah, they but they they put they're like, oh, your kid's a slow reader. They <laughs> right. literally put them in there, yeah. and we were so okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you want to know why? Because they didn't they go haven't to, started school. They haven't started school yet. And you know, we read to them and all that crap, but yep. we didn't. I remember I did flashcards. You're like, stop it. Yeah. What are you doing? Because you know, that's the thing is like the whole, first of all, to your point, sorry, I'm just going to get into this minutiae because parents worry about this. They were, when Todd says they were slow readers, I even take issue with that. They were readers and they loved books. They just weren't at the level that our public school system wanted them to be. Yeah. And what happened, and I, and that's why we were fine with it because they already loved books and reading. I wasn't concerned about that, but the public school system's like, it has to look like this and it has to be like this. We're like, okay, if you want to, you know, give them some extra attention and catch them up, go ahead. We were fine with it. And all, and as you know, Todd probably just said by first or second grade, there was no issue. Yeah. And the thing is, is this, this idea that we want kids to be all, doing the exact same thing at the exact same time is that makes no sense. Well, and it reminds me of like the whole race to nowhere thing because the race starts in preschool. Right. And then we buy into that system. Like, right. yeah, I got to get my kid into this preschool. Mm-hmm. So they get into what's that um, reach. There's something called reach mm-hmm. in our it's, elementary it's the school, gifted program. the gifted mm-hmm. program. And, you know, <laughs> we, I, I don't want to speak for both of us, I didn't really care much about reach. Mm-mm. If they test into it, great. If they don't test into it, mm-hmm. great. And none of our kids tested into it. No, they did. They did? Mm-hmm. And then we pulled them out? No, it just wasn't... It, it, um, no, there was no pulling out. There was a, a, a decision that where they were was exact... They were doing great mm-hmm. where they were. And we didn't feel like they needed... So they were now, invited... It, yeah, not everybody, not, it, not for the exact kids. same things. Right. They all there's a lot of different layers. So I'm not saying that across the board. What I'm saying is absolutely there were opportunities. There were inroads every single year, mm-hmm. and a lot of parents are like, "I'm going to put you into reach." And a lot of times there's understanding of that. Like I remember in fifth grade, they the class changes where like they get to do these projects, mm-hmm. or maybe that's in eighth grade. I, I don't even remember, but I remember all three of my girls being like, "That project thing was cool. That would have been cool to do." And I think it was like the Greek mythology thing that they were doing. Do you remember there that? There was something. There was uh, there were some parts things of it that the reach that they kids were, were doing in. that they were kind of envious that they didn't get a chance to do it. One of the things that's nice though, and again, this is just our school district. We got to be careful, Todd, because every school district is different. Private school is different. But one of the great things that our kids experienced is when my oldest daughter, who's now in college, went into high school, they got to choose whether or not they wanted to do regular honors or AP. So instead of having a testing thing or a teacher telling you you could, they had they got to choose for themselves. And so our daughters, all three of them, have there are certain areas that they're like, yeah, I feel really confident in this area. I'm going to go AP or honors. And then there's other areas that they're like, I'm doing pretty well here. I think I'm going to stick where I am. And that's kind of what I wanted them to learn about themselves. And again, it's not like we had some big grand plan, let's be honest. It just, what I feel like worked out Mm -hmm. was that they're not like, I have to be gritty in every single class and like constantly strive and be the best. They're like, I know where I'm I know the things that I'm pretty good at Mm -hmm. and I'm going to like, you know, um, boost myself up in that area and take the AP or take the honors, but I'm not going to take all honors and all AP. You don't have to do that, everybody. And remember Julie Lithcott-Hames said that? So Julie Lithcott-Hames is an author. She's been at our conference. She was the dean of students for Stanford. University. Dean of freshman students Uh for um, brilliant woman. She wrote How to Raise an Adult. And she said to uh, people at our conference, and then we went to go see her at our mm-hmm. high school, they're like, don't put your kids in all AP classes. You don't have to do that. It doesn't, it, it doesn't help the resume in a way that you think it does. Well, and I will just say this without saying too many specific things, is that, you know, uh, my daughter, who's a senior this year, she applied to a lot of schools and she did it. She took, you know, some AP classes, some honors classes, but not all AP and honors. And she's gotten into some 
significant schools. Mm -hmm. And I say that only because a lot of people are like, well, then you limit your chances. And then she was able to find a balance that allowed her to have things she needed to get into colleges. I think we have this misunderstanding about that we have to be at the high. I mean, I guess for those of you who have children who plan to go to the top 10 Ivy League schools, you you are coming from a different place than Todd and I are. We're talking like, about the garden variety yeah. set of parents and kids. But even with that, there's all these other level of great schools. You know, there's great schools everywhere, and depending on what you're interested in or where you want to live. And, and they... They're not just looking at that. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of layers, you know, and, and again, you have to educate yourself about that. But I also feel like when your kid's in high school, let them be in high school. And if they feel like they want to excel in one area, great. But if they feel like they want, and it's so funny because like, it's basically grade level where they're supposed to be. So again, it's this idea that we have to always be above average. And I'm saying we, because as a family, we tend to take this on as our own. Like, you know, if our kid is in all AP, then we talk about that with people like, oh, my kid's all, you know, oh, yeah. that's probably not great for them mm -hmm. unless they're in the top 0.002%. Like there are kids, we want them to have classes that are not so terrifying because then those are the ones they can do, get done, do well. well. And then that's when the overwhelm happens. Think about Correct. it. Let's say a kid is got, <clears throat> let's just say that we put him or her into all um, AP classes. Yeah. Those are hard. Those take a lot more time. Or they chose them for themselves because right. we're not really Whatever. putting them in classes. Because we've even sometimes not pulled them back, but in, we've invited our children to be like, yeah, we go, have a go lot. easy. Why don't yeah. you, you don't have to, because they're swimming in this competitive Correct. high school environment and they're thinking, oh, if I'm not doing all this, then I'm, I'm not, not doing enough. I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. And more like, actually you are worthy. Yeah. And you're fine. And you don't have to do all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, but that's when problems happen, when overwhelm happens, and the kid is trying to do a sport and trying to do all these AP stuff and all that. And then all of a sudden, you're wondering why your kid is so short with you at the dinner table. And it's just because... And why they're not sleeping and why they're numbing out yep. and why they you know, are making choices to keep themselves up or to, to, to um, find joy through things that may not be healthy. Um, and I shouldn't even use the word joy. I should just say escape. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, you can't eliminate all these. It, it, I think what Todd and I are always trying to talk about is notice all the places where we can support our kids. Sometimes when we say support our kids, we're saying, yeah, put them all in AP classes and I'll support them by getting them a tutor. And then I'll support them by, you know, it, it, why not support them by like, oh, I'll just give you an example. My daughter who's in college called this morning and Today is the first day back from spring break for her. And she had a great spring break. She had such a good time. And she called this morning and she's like, it's just so hard to go back into the world of, you know, college. And, you know, doesn't that make sense to everybody? Like, you know, she said, I feel like I'm in seventh grade again, like where I'm coming back from spring break and I'm having to like, you know, shed one persona and put on another persona. And man, do I understand that, you know? And and the way that we can, you know, she just needed to like say it, you know, she's fine and she's in class and all is well, but it's like, don't we understand? And And can we teach our kids to be gentle with themselves around those things? If it be when they're in middle school or in high school, like you don't need to push yourself to the edge all the time. You don't have to be achieving all the time. You can be lovely with yourself and you can learn how to take care of yourself. And then this is the other thing that Todd and I can say. Now, it's so fun to do Zen parenting when your kids are older because we've seen all these experiences of, you know, challenge and how they got through it. And the thing is, is what we have seen in our kids is when they are inspired by something, they go for it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not us saying you should do this or this is what kids do or you're going to need this for college. Instead, it's like you kind of have to hang back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it requires a tremendous amount of patience. Yeah. And here's here's the example. Same kid, whatever, she did uh, soccer for a bit. She did t-ball when she was like five or six or whatever. Then she did soccer. She was like, I think I'm done with soccer. I'm like, all right, great. You're done with soccer. And then for like three years, she didn't do any type of sports. Two. Okay. Two years. Sixth and seventh. Mm -hmm. And part of me was like, ooh, I really want her to stay active, you know, make friends, blah, blah, blah. The stories. All the stories. <laughs> and then was it, so what grade did she decide? Seventh. So seventh grade, she's like, I want to try this lacrosse thing. I'm like, okay. We had never played lacrosse I didn't know ever. anything about lacrosse. I'm sure she found it from her friends. Um, but it, it, it was a, yeah, her, her cousin played it. 
So it was a two-year wait. And even if she never came to us with anything, that would have been okay too. Mm -hmm. But I think there's like this trust that I think parenting would, I think we'd be better parents if we trust our kids that they know what's best for them. Well, and let me say this too. She wasn't like doing nothing Mm -hmm. in those years. She just wasn't doing sports. She was doing other things. And some of them were during school. Some of them were after school. Some of them were on the weekend and they were all different. You know, she wasn't necessarily on a specific path, but that's the thing is like my middle daughter didn't really, she did sports for like one or two years maybe a little longer, but that was it. Everything for her has been more creative. Same with my younger daughter. That's So Todd's talking about it. Skyler very likes soccer except for the running. She's like, I really like it except I don't want to run. Yeah, I'm like, I um, don't think soccer is going to be your thing. <laughs> and so they've been much more interested in creative in- endeavors and they've found their way through, again, things that Todd and I would have never come up with. Like Todd and I have a certain history where we did certain things. I danced, Todd did sports, I did student council, Todd did sports. <laughs> you did other things too, but you loved no, sports. No, I basically did a bunch of sports. So Todd and I have kind of shared our like, these are the things. Hey everybody, are you looking for a way to entertain your kids in the car or maybe just a way to wind them down before bed? Then you've got to try Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages three to 12. But really, it's for everybody because, Todd, you and I were using it in the car ourselves. We did. Here is an example of the trivia that we did. Oh, this is one is on fictional ghosts, Ghostbuster Ooh. movie ghosts. I know this. I know let's this. Let's see how you do Okay, let's see. Question two. <laughs> True or false? The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man is a friendly ghost who helps the Ghostbusters capture Slimer. Uh, no, he's also bad. He's scary. He's big. That is false. The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man is a villain possessed villain. by Gozer. Pinna provides a reliable routine you can stick with and something you can engage with daily or weekly. Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily car trips to and from school or for weekend getaways. Uh, one of my favorite parts, it's ad-free and there it's screen-free entertainment. It's a routine the kids can look forward to, and we look forward to, and it makes car rides more enjoyable for everybody. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to pinna.fm slash promo to sign up and use code ZPR at checkout. That's P-I-N-N-A dot F-M slash promo. So it's only 35 bucks for the whole year with their discount. So you can't go wrong. Pinna, awesome audio for kids. And now on with the show. No, I basically did a bunch of sports. So Todd and I have kind of shared our like, these are the things we did in high school and these are the things we liked. And, you know, and I did, and then our girls are like, great, thanks. (laughs) They're like, okay, now we're going to go do our things. And that's, that's the hope. And again, it's, It's not without fits and starts. There are times when it can be uncomfortable or when you are unsure, should they let go of this now or should they, you know, it's this word quit that I'm trying to stay away from because that carries such an energy for people. I believe in quitting. I think that quitting is a good thing to do because that allows us space to do something new. But the question is about when do we do that? Mm-hmm. Like, do we do it mid-season? Do we do it in the middle of a game? Do we do it in the middle of a practice? There there are times to, to if I, you know, we're going to use the word quit, to quit in a way that it's it's healthy for there's everybody. There's responsible quitting yeah. and there's irresponsible quitting. Yeah, and, and, and I think... Anybody who subscribes to the idea is, there are no quitters in this family and we play baseball and you'll be playing baseball until, until you graduate high school. Like that there's not a lot of freedom in that. Well, and you're decreasing the possibility of them finding something that brings them even greater joy. It's not that baseball didn't bring them joy, but it's just not the thing. Like, and, and again, let me be clear. Some, you know, I was just talking with a family this weekend or I was emailing with them, their team Zen family, and they were in the middle of a season and things were not going the way it should have with their daughter, meaning there was some things going on with coaching that were a little iffy. Their daughter was a little iffy about it and they made a choice to back away from it. And they said they could not be more relieved. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, when I'm saying responsible, it doesn't mean you have to wait till the end of the season. Sometimes yeah. we just know. Yeah. And, and I, and this is why it becomes very very personal. And you have to know what's most important for your kid. 
and what's, you know, if they have a little more space and time where they're like, I'm thinking I'm done at the end of this season. Perfect. But so anyway. So you ready for part B of the very first question? Or sure. The fir- uh, so the first one was part what do we B. want for our kids, which is success. Okay. Part B is happiness. Okay. So here's my challenge with a parent wanting their kids to be happy. First yeah. of all, I get it. I want my kids to be happy, right? Like, yeah. Because happy is good. I think somebody might interpret that message and they devalue the importance of all the other emotions. Yeah, there's a toxic positivity in that. Fear, sadness, anger. There is no wrong emotion. There is no negative emotion. I was just listening. I I was just listening. I won't say her name. I was just listening to a parenting expert uh-huh. and she used the term negative emotions. And I'm like, there are no yeah, negative emotions. Now, there's negative ways in which we express all emotions, including happiness. You mm-hmm. can express happiness making fun of somebody. at yeah. a, So I, I just, when they're like, we just want our kids to be happy, like it does not invite the wholeness of the human experience. So what I want for myself and the people I love is to be whole, to be able to identify and express emotions in a healthy way, not just elevate happiness as the most important one, because it's not. No. You know, without sadness, there is no happiness. Mm -hmm. Without anger and fear, there's no way to grow. Like, they're all super important. So I don't want my kids to be happy. I want them to be whole. What do you think? Well, you want them to have the full range of human experiences, which is the full range of emotions. And, and, you know, historically, I don't really get this question much anymore, but when the kids were little and we were doing the show or I was writing about parenting, people would be like, well, what are you going to do if like your kid struggles with something or if they're like have a meltdown in public, won't that be embarrassing? I'm like, no, because that's what human beings do. And I am not preaching teach your kids to to shut up and be kind all the time. I am I'm hoping that what the conversation is here is allow your kids to have their full humanity mm. and that if they are struggling, which all of my kids have. Sure. Like who are we just talking to? And they said Well, one example I'll give is one of our kids woke up in a grumpy mood this morning. And kinda. A little bit. A li- yeah, I was going to say like I, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Let's just go okay. just okay. run just, with it. Okay. Is can that be okay? Cuz I could tell you Sometimes my nervous system gets elevated when my kids are in a grumpy mood. And if unless I'm practicing self-awareness, like, is there really anything wrong here? No. And the answer is no. And she's not like taking it out. No. Let's just use this morning's example. She wasn't taking it out on anybody. Yeah. She's just in kind of a heavier mood. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when kids show us these messier sides of themselves to us, we think that we either got to fix it or that it's a problem, and that's where we have to check ourselves. And this is the 60-30-10 rule I was talking about. What energy are we bringing to this experience? It's got nothing to do with what I say to my kid who happens to be in a grumpy mood. It's how am I right now in this moment in relation to their grumpiness. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, if you are a parent that finds yourself saying things like, "Will you just be in a good mood?" or "Can't you just be happy?" Um, that's that's a lot of pressure, you know, especially for a teenager. Like, no, they can't all the time, and nor should they have to. And can their home be a safe environment? where they can kind of be all the things that they need to be. And that you, and this is again why our well-being is so essential when we're parenting is if we are looking to our kids to make us happy, that's going to be a problem (laughs) because they're pretty, they can, and when I use the word moody, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but their moods vacillate really fast. But let's talk about that. Let's say that they are just like taking their crappy school day out Mm -hmm. on us Mm -hmm. because that happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're a safer place for them to show their messier side of themselves. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we're a punching bag, but can we have a little empathy for a kid who just went through, you know, I think of school, I say this now, seven meetings in a row that you don't want to be to. So mm-hmm. think of, be at. be at, think about your, our day as adults. Um, there's meetings I don't want to be in, but there's rarely seven meetings in a row that I want, I don't want to be at. Yeah. And a school is, it sucks. I mean, it's also wonderful and positive and great teachers and all that. And friends. And friends. And then there's also friends that, are hard treat you poorly mm-hmm. so school is tough so when a kid gets home from a school day after seven meetings or eight classes in a row i call them meetings just because it kind of frames it differently and then they're just a little nasty towards themselves 
towards their siblings, towards their parents, instead of us like joining them in their misery, can we hold the space for that to de-escalate that was happening. Well, and I kind of want to go back to the words you said before. You said taking their day out on us. And mm -hmm. I think there is a difference between somebody projecting their frustration on you and sharing their experience with you. I, I'm not saying that I, you know, my girls have been grumpy before and have been snippy and snappy and stuff, of course, you know, as have I. <laughs> um, but the majority of the time, I feel like they come in and kind of dump their day yeah. out. And they're not taking it out on me. Right. They're sharing all the things. And it, especially with my my middle child, she doesn't need any feedback about it. She just needs to kind of, I mean, she wants a, you know, some reciprocity, some back and forth conversation, but she's not looking for how do I handle this? She's just kind of like, can you believe all these things? And I, most of the time I can't. They're, mm -hmm. they're in succession and they're difficult. And sometimes my younger daughter is looking for more of a conversation. I know my older daughter today just needed a little more humor. You know, like it, this is, again, why you have to know your kids. Like what do they need? And, and the fact that we think they should be in a good mood all the time, are you joking? Mm -hmm. And and at the same time as if they are projecting on you, you know, and you feel like you're getting the brunt of it, there are conversations you can have where you can say, listen, I totally hear you about your day and I would, I would love to listen, but sometimes it's difficult because I feel like, you know, I feel it hurts because mm. I feel like I'm getting blamed and I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm here to listen. Um, but it's harder when you're yelling at me or whatever, like, I was doing a, a presentation a week or two ago and we were talking about these things. And one of the parents is like, can't I say something if my child hurts my feelings? Like, don't I have space to say? And I was like, of course you do. Like you have to show up with your humanity too and say that hurt. Or when you say that to me, it, it scares me or it's painful or, but the idea that we are going to like, come back at them yeah, with yeah. an overpowering counterattack. You don't have the right to do, you know, so many moms and dads, all caregivers say things like you can't talk to me that way. Actually they can't because they just did. They just did. Right. So what you're instead trying, it's like, it hurts me when you talk to me that way. Yeah, This is very hard. Or let's not keep this conversation going mm -hmm. and revisit this after school because it's getting a little intense. Mm -hmm. You have to think of yourself. And again, I know nobody like wrote down all these rules before we became parents and maybe we would have rethought our decisions if we realized all the inner work we have to do. I think we thought we'd be in charge of people and we could tell them what to do. Yeah, little robots. And what really parenting is, is you have to understand that you are the guiding like source. You are the person who's teaching how to deal with conflict. You're the person who's de teaching how to deal with communication. You're the one who's demonstrating how to handle failure. You are the role model. And you are and you are also again role modeling when you fail. Um when you don't say the right thing, you apologize. When you, you know, drop the ball, you take responsibility. Like you are having to be in your full humanity. And I don't know if we knew that. Before we had kids. Like, right. I think a lot of people thought, well, now I can be in charge. Yeah. Um, so the next one, and I'm s slowly like realizing all these kind of mesh together, of obviously. Of course, yeah. Uh, the next one is EQ trumps IQ and the role of BQ. So if there's anything that we've talked about in this podcast for the last 12 years, it's emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. Like it really, that's where we spend a lot of our time. Mm -hmm. IQ... When I was growing up... So it, can you differentiate? Because some people may not understand. EQ is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. IQ is, you know, how fast your brain computer works. And, your intellectual yeah. component. It, like how you process information and... and um, great point. And, that. you know, we talked about, you know, <laughs> this REACH program for our kids. And a few of them may have been invited into that program. And if we prioritized IQ, we would be like, yep, you will be doing this. I want to push you... Well, but, and I would share that, but it might be a misinformed because sometimes we push our kids into those things, but it's not really a demonstration of their IQ. It's a demonstration of that we want them in that program. Or it's a demonstration that maybe they have memorized a certain number of concepts and they, you know, tested into something, but True. they really are in over their heads. And then there are kids that absolutely belong there. For and sure. that's why the program is there for them. This is the misunderstanding is it's not that there's no problem with reach. My mom was 
a sixth grade gifted teacher, meaning she taught gifted students and taught, and I, I had experience in this, in those classes. Did you do any of those classes? Um, I was in, not, I don't think we had honors back then. I'd never did any AP stuff. I did like, somehow I tested into like honor Spanish. Yeah. But that was the only one I did. So English was where, and that was probably because my mom was a language arts teacher, but there's a reason for those programs because there's certain kids that are reading at a certain level or processing at a certain level that they need more stimulation. That's why these programs are made. But the programs start to kind of get a little crazy when every parent wants their kid in that program, when maybe that's not where they're supposed to be because they will excel and have a better experience where they should be. Do you know what I mean? These are very um, tough conversations because we feel so forced. And none of them are clean cut. No, they're like, not clean. There's a lot of times when a kid's like, oh, they're, you're, on the, you're on the edge of testing into yeah. this program. Yeah, it's hard. What direction do you go in? And um, we usually go back to the kid. Like, what do you think? Yeah, and they, they choose. Yeah. Yeah, do you, is this a place that, you know, JC's even had to do this in college because she's figuring out all of her classes and... Um, you know, every semester. And it's like, is this where you want to put your emphasis? You know, is this where you want to do the extra work? And not, and not every course does she want to be that person. Like there are certain courses, like she loves Italian and she's going to Italy next year. So she's like, I'm going to really push myself in this area, but I don't really feel the need to push myself in this random literature class. Mm -hmm. Like she, it's like, where do you, where, where's your, where's your inner ambition? And this, I'm sorry, Ted, I got to go down this path. This is the thing we often knock out of our kids is they don't even know what their inner ambition is. Ambition is they don't even know what they like. Too busy following rules or or trying to hit others' expectations. Everybody's telling them what to do and what they should be in. And parents are saying, be in this because I was in this and do this because this will get you into college. And they can't even feel what they like. They don't even know who they are. And so then by the time they get to college and everybody's like, choose, who are you? What's your path? What are you going to do? They're like, who am I? Like mm-hmm. they, they're having to, and I think we go through those phases no matter what. I think we go through like recalibrating of who we are. Like I'm not saying there's a perfect path, but we're giving our kids a better shot at what Todd was just describing of success, meaning an inner feeling of 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 self-knowing and emotional intelligence if we give them space to figure out what works for them rather than telling them what works for them. Okay, go ahead, Todd. Um, So the next one, which we didn't really talk too much about, is we cop out instead of leave into discomfort and have grounded conversations. And for some reason, I always think of the movie Say Anything because it's it's the party scene, which is one of the best party scenes of all time. Uh And Diane Court's talking to a few of those girls and they're like, just walk in the door crying, then my dad will leave me alone. Right. And that's so funny because... I can kind of identify like that when your kid comes in in a highly emotional state, whether it's fear, anger, sadness, it's not it's not the most comfortable conversation to have. And that say anything, you know, scene kind of spoke to that. Like I can just picture a dad like, I'm not gonna touch this kid because Well, and let me let me give you the kind of the the juxtaposition in that movie is that the reason that conversation comes up and say anything is Diane is calling her dad on the lip phone and saying, dad, yeah, I'm good. I'm having a good time. I'll be home in the morning. That's right. You know, I'm in a safe place. And there, and then she's like, oh yeah, you know, you know, her dad says something like, I'm so proud of you. She's like, I know dad, I know. And then she hangs up and the other girls are like, are you talking to your dad? And she's like, yeah, you know, he, he trusts me or Mm -hmm. whatever. And the girls are like, well, I just run in crying and no one bugs me. And here's the thing. We have had daughters run in crying or run ups run ups the stairs and you know go in their room and i don't think that's always the right time to have the conversation sometimes you need to give them that space Mm -hmm. um depending on their personality you know it's different for all three of my kids and that's where the rubber meets the road and what i mean by that is let's say one of our kids comes in crying goes in the room closes the door Uh there's times when the kid needs us to knock on the door sometimes and there's times when our kid does not want us anywhere near them and we need to be intuitive to be able to figure it out, and sometimes we're going to screw it up. And I was going to say, there's an intuitiveness, there's knowing your kid, and there's also being willing to take a risk and knowing it may not work. True. And I think the bottom line is, regardless of any of those things, can you come back to that conversation? Because what that girl's saying at the party about, I come in crying and my dad doesn't ask me, it's not just about that night. It's not revisited. Like, if I'm a parent my kid runs up the stairs and slams the door... 
that night I may or may not have a conversation with them. I might knock on the door and say, can I bring you a glass of water? Or, you know, do you want to lay down in my room or whatever? And, you know, and then they tell me if they want to be alone or they need something. But then the goal is, is after that, like the next day, two days later, wow, the other night was really rough, huh? And usually, not always, I mean, there's just no way to know if it's always because it's hard to remember every conversation, but they're willing to share later. But we have to not be afraid to ask. And what's weird is the more that we need from them. Yes, the more they don't want to give it. The less likely they're going to give it. True. Which is hard because what I need from my kids when they're highly reactive, sad, mad, whatever, is I need them to make me feel better (laughs) because I'm super uncomfortable because somebody I love is super uncomfortable. So the trick is to kind of in a healthy way detach from the experience Mm -hmm. and be able to see it clearly and not need anything from them. And if you feel like you need things from them all the time and that you're codependent, you have to go to therapy. (laughs) And I'm not even joking. Like I am, I'm not super codependent. I'm going to be more gentle on myself. I have codependent tendencies and I know that, and I've known that for a long time. So I have to work on that. I have to detach from needing everybody to be okay. And I have to detach from everything going smoothly. And, and, and that helps me show up better for them. You know, like I'm aware that I am happier when everybody is is kumbayaing. <laughs> what is the opposite of codependence? Uh, bo- uh, neglect. Boundaried, walled off. Well, there's opposite, and then there's healthy, right? No, I'm I'm talking because where I go sometimes is my kid will sometimes have a tough day, and I will do the dutiful thing and check in with them with a quick question. Or you compartmentalize. I'd be like, "Honey, looks like you had a bad day. You want to talk about it? No, fine." Like, all right, I'm just going to go back to my computer and keep mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. Now you could be like, oh, what healthy boundaries, Todd? Or you could be like, I'm just trying to get the hell out of that conversation as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. And it depends on the day. Sometimes I just, I don't want to have to hold that space for them mm-hmm. and I'm escaping. Right. And there's other times when it's a healthy thing, like, oh, she just wants to deal with this herself. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, there's no way of knowing for sure we're doing the right thing. We just have to kind of feel into it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean about why this is all so messy and why we can't be like, hey, do this and then do three, two, one, and then walk slowly and all things will go well. Like it's a risky, messy, failure ridden process. And the the goal is not to do it completely cleanly. It's to be willing to do it at all. You know, it's, it's being willing to have that difficult conversation after a night like that, or being willing to tell your child that they hurt your feelings, or being willing to go to therapy when you realize you're being too codependent, or you're putting all your dreams on your kid, you know, like parents who are like, oh, no, 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 they told me they loved it. They told me they loved it. You know, after you've been telling them for years that you hope they play soccer, you know, do cheer, whatever, like they, they know what you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And some kids will follow that because they're people pleasers. And some kids will rebel against it because they're more rebellious. (laughs) And some kids will be like uncertain or like very torn because they want to be themselves, but they also want to please their parents. Like even... I'll tell everybody this, that, you know, all these things Todd and I talk about, we obviously do our best to practice. We don't talk about things we don't do. Um, But even I've had my girls say to me, I just, you know, I just don't want to disappoint you. And I think to myself, gosh, how many a million ways have I said, go do you and and it's not about me and, and I'm not worried about that. And they still... Have this, this like concern. hardwiring of yeah, and I think it's probably like some evolutionary thing, and it's healthy yeah because of course you don't want to disappoint people you love like there's nothing I'm not like that's ridiculous I'm like I understand where that's coming from but the amount of times that Todd and I have attempted to set them free you're mm. free you're free you get to choose and they still are like yeah but wouldn't you like this better you know and um and that is. We have to be really thoughtful about that. And I say thoughtful because there's really no answer to that question because it's different depending on the circumstance, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, even when our kids, even when we tell them, it's okay, you get to choose. Like, let me say this. We talked about this on a previous show, but it's a perfect example because I think parents will say, well, I told them that they could do whatever they wanted. Todd sometimes will say... "Um." you know, it's okay. You guys don't have to come. And you can just hear in my voice, like I'm saying you don't have to come, but really I'm quite disappointed you're not coming. Right. Mm -hmm. And now Todd has every right to be disappointed. I'm not annoyed at him for that, but he does need to take responsibility for the fact then 
that sure. he's imposing that disappointment on them. Right. And he may be like, no, I want to. Okay, this is how messy it gets, right? And so he then is owning that and is like, I want them to know I'm disappointed. We, you know, like this is a a willingness to be honest about where we are and what we want. And I think where I get most frustrated at parents or at kids for that matter is when they're lying about what they really want, Mm -hmm. when they're deceiving people. And I'm using the word lying. I don't like that word. When they're not coming clean. Yeah. Like they'll say, no, I told my kid they didn't have to, but everything in your body and your energy is telling them something different. And you have to own that. Don't pretend that because you said certain words that they should understand. Your kids read you better than that. You are an energetic being and at least own it. Yeah, I did want you to do this, but you know what? I realized that's my dream and not yours. So I'm going to pursue my dream and I'm going to let you pursue yours. I was trying to pull up that scene from Wall Street and I couldn't find it. Which Um, one? And you ta- you talked a little bit about how our kids say that they don't want to disappoint us or mm-hmm. whatever. And Martin Sheen, who I love in that movie because he's like the he's the moral dad. center mm-hmm. of that movie. And Charlie Sheen's character, Bud Fox, says something like, I just want you to be proud of me, Dad. And he's just like, it's yourself you got to be proud of. That's right. He's and like, I've had you all along. Yeah. Like, it's please don't project your value based on how I evaluate you. You evaluate yourself, self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How do you show up? Forget about me. That's outside in living. We're trying to cultivate inside out living. Well, and here's the way to explain that. Like so many kids live that way, right? I want to, how often do you see in every movie, song, TV show, I want to make my parents proud. How many, and I'm going to use men, I'm going to be gender specific, are still trying to please their fathers, even if their father has passed away. Sure. You know what I mean? Like there's such an, and part of that, like you said, Todd, it's a connection to, there's an anthropological reason for Mm -hmm. that. There's cultural reasons for that. So it's not about quit feeling that way. It's about understand why you're feeling that way. That's, you know, and the thing with Bud is I think what Bud Fox's dad is trying to say to him, the actual, and it was interesting for those of you, you know, just a little trivia, that's, you know, Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen. They really are father and son, and they were going through some things during that time when they did Wall Street. I actually want to just play this 38-second scene. Okay, go ahead. It's them in the elevator. It's really intense, and they're kind of all active, but it's pretty good. Your kid, he's got your in his back pocket, but you're too blind to see it. No. What I see is a jealous old machinist who can't stand the fact that his son's become more successful than he has. What you see is a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his what? That's because you never had the guts to go out into the world and stake your own claim. Boy, if that's the way you feel, I must have done a really lousy job as a father. It's such a great scene. Well, and from the, you know, Todd and I both love that movie, so we've listened to a lot of podcasts about it and read about it, and they were really struggling with those things. Well, Obviously, the beginning of the struggles were happening. Like, this is when Charlie Sheen was normal and a good actor, and in these, you know, Oscar award-winning movies. Do you mean normal like he wasn't in the throes of addiction? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I'm just using... All words, empathy right. towards... Charlie Sheen, who I think has probably had some substance addiction, but um, he w- they were having this conversation. I think that there was some reality to yes. the conversation. That's what people say. And it was before Charlie really started abusing. Spiraling. Spiraling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really lost and his I way. I love Charlie Sheen. He was like one of my favorite actors. And then... Early 90s Charlie Sheen was rocking. It was. Like, that was uh, Ferris Bueller and Platoon and Wall Street and Hot Shots. Lucas. you remember Hot Shots? Lucas is a tough one, Todd. Hmm. Because you know about the Lucas thing, right? Yeah, there's some accusations. There's some accusations against him him and that Corey Haim supposedly, he said, uh, I don't know. I I don't even want to dig into that because I don't know how truthful it is. Okay, so let's use the rest of our time on this last one. We don't want to talk about Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, we don't we talk about un- Bruno. Do you want to like hang out with Todd and I sometime? Because these are the kind of tangential conversations we have. The last one <laughs> is, uh, and totally like flows with everything we've been saying, but discussion, not discipline, or conversations, not created consequences. So can I ask a question? Because sure. you've read these already. So did you read them and now you're going back to them? Or are you repeating them? I read them all at the beginning of the show to tease it out. Oh, okay. And we're revisiting okay. them all. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so this is, yeah, I've been repeating all of these. Yeah. I was like, Sweetie. oh, we've already said this one, but you just didn't, we didn't dive into and it. And I think it's an important, it's more of like for my childhood, like I used to get grounded. One time I got grounded until my birthday and my birthday's in May and it was 
in October and it's because I was caught drinking as a high schooler and blah, blah, blah. And like, there was no instructions. There was no connection. It was tied you're grounded to your birthday. And I didn't get grounded for those seven months. I think I was grounded for a month. And just the whole idea of grounding doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The whole idea of discipline in in a traditional... You mean consequences? Discipline. I'm all for consequences, but natural consequences. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh, you didn't do this, then I'm going to take away your phone for for a Mm -hmm. week. Like, it's more, I, I think people learn a lot more from natural consequences. Who are we talking to? Maybe it was a Team Zen member. No, there's a Team Zen person. And the, she had a daughter who had a play date, and she was running late. And I think she was like eight years old. Maybe you can help me out with this. I don't remember. I don't know what this It was is. just recently. And she was in the bathtub. And she's like, I'm not going to. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the mom was stuck. Like, you're going to disappoint your friend if you don't get out of the bath so you can go to the play date. Well, there were, like you said, and I'm, and she gave a lot more detail, but yeah. her daughter was in the bathtub, didn't want to get out. And they also had this agreement as a family that if she was going to go on a play date outside and it was a certain weather that you had to wear pants mm-hmm. or something. There, there was a whole bunch of pieces to this where there was all these things set in, in motion and they ended up being late or the ride that came to pick her up, she wasn't ready because she wasn't out of the bathtub. She didn't have her pants on. And she, all didn't these, get, she didn't get she to, didn't get to, go. to go. And so I think the mom is like, how do I teach her then to not do that? And I'm like, well, she just learned. Yeah. That And again, so I'm going to go back to what Todd said. It doesn't mean you say, well, see, I told you so. That's no, not helpful. That's bad. You, you sit with them and say, it, when, you know, may not be right in that moment, but like, that was rough this morning. You know, you wanted to stay in the bath because who doesn't want to stay in a bath, right? I mean, come on, let's relate to our kids. A warm bath rocks and it's hard to get out. Um, you know, you wanted to stay in the bath, understandably, and then we have the pants rule, and so we just didn't have the ability to get ready on time, and then you were late, and it just was rough. You don't have to yell at them so they understand. No, no yeah, let you them You can relate it. to them. Yeah. They still, she, she had the consequence. She didn't get to go. She learned if A, B, and C happen, then D doesn't happen. Well, and some of the rules, like I was just talking to one of my clients who I love, I love this man, and he said that he gets all jacked up. He got all jacked up one time because his like five-year-old was going, walking around outside without shoes and socks. Right. And I'm like, why is that a problem? Yeah. Like, are you worried that they're going to get sick? I don't know if you get sick from having cold feet. Mm-hmm. I think it's like some like weirdly embedded rule. Like we let, hear it when they're when we're little. Yeah, let the kid have cold feet. Like, why is this a problem? Mm-hmm. And that's one tiny example of all these rules that we think that are good for our kids, and just let them have cold feet. And when the feet get too cold, they're going to come in. Like, mm-hmm. get out of the way. Well, and here's the thing: you can have the shoes and socks ready and say, this is ideal to wear your shoes and socks. Then you don't have to worry about it. But sometimes they need to explore to realize what it's like to not wear shoes and socks. So that's a piece of it. And then there's also, again, the overpowering versus being with. If a kid's like, middle school kids don't like to wear coats. It's just this very strange phenomenon. Kids with their shorts and t-shirts and it's like 31 degrees. They just don't like to wear coats. And I think there's a coolness factor. There's like, I don't need this or it doesn't look good with my outfit. I was very similar. I mean, this is kind of something that transcends all generations and I don't know why. Um, But they don't want to wear coats. So you're not like, you have to wear a coat or you're grounded. You're like, here's your coat. It's ready for you. And if they're like, I'm not going to wear it, you know, take it with you just in case. No, I don't need it. Okay. And then maybe next time they do. Like, I don't feel like... I think what happens, though, is we get into this thing of being offended, where we're like, they're not listening to me, mm-hmm. or I've lost power, or, and you can just join, imagine if it, again, Todd and I always go back to the aunt and uncle scenario, what if it was your niece, yeah. and your niece was like, I'm not wearing a coat, and you're like, okay, sister, yeah, <laughs> good luck, yeah. you know, like, you wouldn't be so emotionally attached to it, it's just because it's your kid, and you want them to have this, like, where they're afraid of you a little bit. I think that should be one of our 
foundational rules is treat your kids like they're your niece and your nephew. <laughs> in certain situations. Of course. You know, it's obviously you can't always it's be. It's a reframe. It's a reframe. Yeah. That's like Todd said, it's a reframe. It's like you have to be their parent. You have to show up as that person. But there's times when I think about how would I talk to my niece or nephew or my nieces, you know, and it would be a much um, more peer, uh, less fear-based, more I'll be here for you mm-hmm. kind of way. I still love them and care and I'm still going to approach the topic. I'm not going to like, you know, but I'm not going to be so needy of them to adhere to everything I say. And I think that's just a, you know. So those are just a few quick takes I have on parenting. Okay. I like Um, it. But it was a good discussion. Okay. Um, So Kathy's got a book, Zen Parenting, Parenting Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Yeah. And if you, you know, all these things we talk about, we were just saying we did a podcast 700 and this podcast about what Zen Parenting is, that book the whole reason I wrote Zen Parenting, everybody, is so people who are it's like... a one-stop shop. Yeah. Everything we talk about. I mean, maybe not every story, but that's the gist of what we talk about is this book. And so I really, um, you know, I want you to go buy it. Yeah. Um, and then I also coach guys one-on-one. So if there's any guys listening and you guys want some support and... Uh, check me out, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. Men Living is a place where guys connect authentically and deeply and vulnerably, uh, menliving.org, and then Team Zen. Um, yeah, so again, we have a Ask Us Anything page. That's be- You can scroll below and you can ask us anything through SpeakPipe or through an email, and we'll put it on the podcast. Um, you can join the um, Understanding Our Daughters class and basically you have to join Team Zen to be in it, but then you can just join for a month if you only want to be there for a month. Um, and then what was the third thing you just said? Um, the workshop, the class, did you see? I just said, said Understanding class. Our Daughters. Yeah. That, that's plenty. Or just join Team Zen, not even for that class, but just because you want the virtual yeah. support. Because these all these examples we use, I mean, these are people we're talking with all the time. Like I direct messaged with about four or five people on Team Zen today, yeah. you know? So it's like this is our ability to, and it's not just Todd and I supporting them, it's they're supporting each other. Yeah. So it's a it's what you would call a community. That's right. Uh, and then don't forget our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He runs a company called Avid Painting and Remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. And his phone number is 630-956-1800. Jeremy is a wonderful guy, uh, does great work. Check him out. I might want to get new cabinets. No, our cabinets are fine, sweetie. You're starting to kind of move no, into each they're other. they're fine. They're fine. Are they? Yeah, they're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, all right. So everybody keep trucking and uh, have a good day. Bye. Have a good week. (laughs) Keep trucking. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.